Hello, welcome to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer. Introducing the new podcast, which is the place for moms to find encouragement, hope, and inspiration, where we're supporting moms in the trenches of motherhood. You will receive practical tips and strategies to address the developmental needs of your children with a positive parenting perspective in mind. Here at Moms Changing the World, we are moms on the journey of changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. changing the world. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner, Chief Encouragement Officer, your CEO, and Parent Coach. Excited to bring you another incredible interview with another mom who is changing the world. We are all busy here changing the world one day at a time, one child at a time. Very excited to introduce and have really helpful conversation in this year that we've been focusing on neurodiversity. And ADHD is one of the topics that's come up over and over again because it it affects so many of us, whether it affects our children or ourselves as adults. And so I'm excited to have parent coach or ADHD coach Jeannie Love. Jeannie Love has been trying to figure out how to stay focused and attentive, how to decrease procrastination, how to manage to-do lists that were overwhelming, and generally how to get things done her entire adult life. She now knows firsthand what it's like to overcome the overwhelm and the disorganized mess and is excited about what she adds to the current neurodiversity movement. She has 20 years of experience teaching special education high school students and is now a business coach for adults who struggle with executive functions. Jeannie is also the mother of a nine-year-old who is recently diagnosed with ADHD and has a lot to share about the experiences of raising a strong-willed and fiercely independent girl. We're so excited to have you here, Jeannie. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here with you. (laughs) Great. Great. Good. Well, I love, you know, starting off with a little bit around food and feeding our families because that's one of the practical things that's always top of the mind as parents. And so I'm curious if you have something that, you know, is always on your kind of weekly meal planning or something that's a tip for us as we're trying to feed our families well? Yes. Food is something that is very important to me. I take feeding my family very seriously. I'm very passionate about it. I love to cook for my family. I love to make healthy meals for my family. But recently, I found myself a little bit busier than I have been maybe in the past. And so that I have been reevaluating how I do that. And I have a couple of things that I've done. One is that I've started to like, I always found like, so I was, when I was a teacher, I always found that I would come home after a long day and I would just kind of like follow a recipe from beginning to end. And I found that really zen. Like if I just do these steps, there will be a result, which as teachers, maybe we don't get very much. You (laughs) spend your day trying to solve problems, but I'm not really (laughs) sure. I hope that what I did will create a result. But following a recipe is really like, it just does that. But I have a little bit less time for that. So what I've done is I've, I've found like a couple of fresh vegetable kinds of recipes that are very simple salads with like garbanzo beans and lemon and tahini and parsley. And you can throw a few vegetables in there. And you can just eat that like often. We'll have that. That's always in the fridge and it's just always available. It's so simple to make. And, or I've got like a fried rice recipe that's just like broccoli and eggs and, and some good like sesame oil and things like that. And I've just taken the time to memorize those. And the ingredients for those are always in my fridge because they're very easy to make. So. I've done that. And then the other thing that I've started to do recently, which is new for me, is to kind of have like easy things in the freezer. So if I have a little extra time at the grocery store, I might just sort of like pay more attention to like pre-made kinds of things and like read the ingredients on the back. And if that's something that I think would be good for my family, I'll just keep that in the freezer. So like I always have my favorite tamales. Those are always in the freezer (laughs) and I can make a very quick coconut milk rice to go with it. 
or there's like good raviolis or some good pesto in the freezer. And so on those nights of soccer games, when you get home late, those are just like really easy to throw together. So Mm. yeah, those are just a couple of my go-to things that I have started to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Those sound great. I love how you're basing so much of it on like whole plant-based foods, right? Your yeah. you know, favorite veggies are kind of always available and with a quick yes. chop or a quick saute, you know, that uh, that can be a really relatively quick way to get a lot of vegetables and a lot of color on the plate. So it's true. I and that. I roasted vegetables, a little olive oil, some salt, pepper. So I'll like roast anything. Yes. And it's delicious. It really is. And then, yeah, like a little something fresh. So like a couple of veggies. And then if you want to add a protein, a piece of fish or something like that, it's just easy to cook up. It is. It is. And I, I don't know if you've tried the cauliflower rice saute uh, or fried rice. So instead of using white rice or brown rice, you use uh, a cauliflower that can be that substitute. And it's actually quite delicious. I, I really enjoy that when I have the, the cauliflower there. And I'm trying to do a little, yeah. you know, lower on the carbs or a little more on the plants. Yes. Or grain, you know, yes. uh, grain free. I that's love great. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good reminder. That's when I remember every once in a while. And then I, yeah, I have to bring <laughs> I it lose back, track of so. it. Yes. Yes. That's yeah, why it's good to talk is. about it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. So why don't you tell me about, you know, how you came to find your passion in ADHD and coaching? Yeah. I, I've had um, some time of reflection in the last couple of years. And as I kind of look all the way back through my career, this, there's this sort of through line that I've always been interested in how the brain works and that it's just like every brain is different. And, yeah. and the, what are you going to make? What are you going to do that's going to create a connection that, that is meaningful to that person? And this goes all the way back. My first degree was as a physical therapist. And I did, I had to do an internship in a rehab hospital and I had patients who had strokes. And so then there's this brain injury and you have to recreate the connections or make new connections so that they can learn how to do life again from the very basic of how do I stand myself up, that kind of thing. And then, you know, my life kind of took me. So I just really loved those patients and the challenge of trying to figure it out. And then my life kind of took me into special education and started. Yeah. So then I got into the school as an, like an aide for students who had very significant needs. And so I've worked with that for a little while. And just the more challenging the behavior, the more like interested I was into it. How are we going to write plans to like, connect that's going to keep me connected to the student and it's going to help the student make the connection on how to behave. So I did that for a while. And then I moved into a teaching role with those same students and then needed a little change after a few years. Then I moved into students who had more mild learning disabilities, but still really connected with the kids who had ADHD and autism and just like, okay, how are we going to make this work for you? And I just... I remember my principal would come in for an evaluation and he's like, clearly you're really connecting with the kids. What are you doing to like really advance like reading? And I'm like, yeah, that would be like a, that would be one of my weaknesses. I like doing this. Like, how are we going to solve the problems of the day and get through the day? So, so I did that for a long time. And then COVID, the great moment of self-reflection for many of us, I had that opportunity. I wasn't teaching at the time. We had lived, I had taught in South America for a little while. We had returned because of COVID. I didn't have a job. And so my husband and I were kind of doing a a revamping of like, what are we doing now? And I took some time off and I was tutoring and for some kids who were home at school and just, I had a lot of time to think about what I wanted next. And I was thinking I needed a break. So then there's a lot going on with my daughter having some behavioral problems at the time. And I just knew that going back to public education wasn't going to allow me to have enough time and energy for her. For her. So, yeah, because yeah, she, and we can talk about it later, because she needs it, needed sure. it, and still needs it. Mm-hmm. So, 
So the story, you know, I was just researching, researching, <laughs> researching. What am I going to do? And I, I would type in all my key, you know, vocabulary words that describe what I do, what I love, what I want to mm. do. And I found that there's adults who, with all this information that's out there about ADHD and mm-hmm. autism, adults are diagnosing themselves primarily. Mm-hmm. And so they come to me and they say, I think I have ADHD. I think I might be autistic. And they want to understand, they want to talk about that. What does that Mm -hmm. look like? What does that mean to me? And what can I do to support some of these things that I've been struggling with my whole life? And so I started doing that and I'm just, you know, I'm really loving this change and Mm -hmm. really enjoying getting to know adults and coaching them with all the things that I have been working on through my whole life and my whole career. So here I am doing that now. Yeah. And interestingly, yeah, one of the first kinds of coaches that I had even heard about, you know, back in the day, you know, before there was a lot of parent coaching was executive function coaching. And Mm. it happens just so happened on a podcast that I was, you know, searching and listening in on ADHD conversations. And one of those early podcasts, you know, maybe a decade or so ago that I clued in on was an ADHD coach and mainly for adults. And so just even, yeah, just even kind of understanding and like getting to listen in on some of those strategies that, you know, she was using with her clients and, you know, encouraging, uh, you know, different people to try, you know, through the podcast, I thought was really, really fascinating because my whole focus up until that point had been the children, right? The children with ADHD. And then to think, oh, wow, yes, this is like, you know, oftentimes doesn't necessarily go away, right? I think you know, one in three is is one of the statistics around, you know, how children with ADHD who become adults with ADHD. And so, and then sometimes the demands of life in adulthood can tip people, you know, over, over into the side where it does become more clinical and there are more strategies needed. So why don't we take a quick pause and, you know, let you talk a little bit about, you know, what executive functioning is and, you know, what kinds of things that means. Yeah. So executive functioning in general is your ability to sort of regulate. So that might mean like to manage your time. That might mean to manage your attention. That might mean to manage your emotions when you're overwhelmed, to make decisions when you're... A lot of this happens when there's an emotional thing happening. So perhaps you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed for any of a variety of reasons. And then it's like, what do I do next? How do I solve this problem? How do I make this decision? And so the emotional part is happening sort of in the back of your brain. And so what the executive functioning is happening in the front part of your brain. And when you're, when you're working with children, that's very undeveloped, right? It, they say that it doesn't develop until maybe 25 years of age. But as an adult, you know, those connections might not be as strong. And so how can we, you know, for me, it's like filing something away. It's just the most monumental task. Mm. It's that I have created this document that I need. And it's just like, I put it in this place that makes sense. And then it just disappears. I don't know. Mm. I don't know where that place was that makes sense. And so like those kinds of things can be a challenge. And so I do, I work with my clients. Generally, they come to me because they just feel like they're overwhelmed by the amount of stuff they have going on and that they don't feel like they're being productive and they're not making progress towards their goals. So they come to me to help with time. And so we start with that, but then we infuse a lot of other things into it because then what do you do when it's all kind of falling apart? You put the most amazing plans in the place and it all falls apart. (laughs) So how do we reset and bring ourselves back to space one? And a lot of these adults maybe really struggled in school, are undiagnosed and feel they're carrying some baggage from being younger because school Mm -hmm. didn't work for them. Everybody else supposedly has it together. And so when there's a setback, it can be really emotional and to kind of throw them into a panic. Like, I can't do this. I'm the one who can't hold it together. And so they carry a lot of emotion from being younger. So I do a lot of mindfulness work with Mm -hmm. them as well, which slows your brain down, detaches the emotion. So then that brings it 
from the back of your brain to the prefrontal cortex. And so there's that. And then also when it all kind of falls apart, how do we like collect ourselves and just say, this is a moment of chaos and we're going to get through this and reset and start again. Yeah. 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 You know, executive functions are really getting anything done. You know, it it takes multiple parts of our, our brain and our um, attention and our focus and our energy and our coordinating our bodies to, you know, get, you know, get ourselves dressed and ready for the day to mm. you know, make a meal. Like we talked about at the beginning, right? All of the steps involved in that to learn in school, to do homework, turn in projects, get our meet deadlines at work. And we often have to do a lot of this kind of simultaneously, right? Or, or if we feel like we have yeah. to do it. And yet really our brain can only pay attention to one thing at a time. Well, uh, for the vast majority of us. So it yeah. really, it really may, makes executive functioning like so critical in uh, in our lives and as moms too, right? We're juggling it for ourselves and our kids. Yes. How can you put all the pieces together and, and then you make a plan and then the pieces have to constantly mm-hmm. be juggling. So there's this like decision-making that's constantly ongoing. And then we live in a world of constant disruption and distraction from technology and how do we make decisions around that? And, and, and I'm really interested in like, you know, I've really gotten into like, how can we focus deeply on something for extended period of time? Because yeah, those like constant dings coming at you are just like these hyper alerts that, that distract us and make us feel like something important has happened. Right. And so managing all of that while you're trying to like, yeah, do whatever needs to be done, it's it's challenging. And uh, but for me, it's wildly interesting. Yeah, it, it is fascinating. And you hinted at the role that, you know, your daughter and motherhood kind of played into, you know, discovering your passion and, and charting this course. Can you tell us a little bit yes. more about that? You know, we've had... My daughter's had some behavioral challenges her whole life. And when just when you look back on it now that she's nine, I can look backwards and say, oh, sensory issues when she was three and just couldn't put her shoes on and just couldn't, couldn't put her shoes on. And we were living in South America where perhaps at a daycare in the United States, you could maybe just drop your kid off and be like, she can't wear shoes today. But she was in sort of this like private preschool and the expectations of the uniform and everything, you know, there's much more strict in the appearance. Mm. And so it was like her hair needed to be done. Her shoes needed to be on all these things. So anyway, you just sort of continue and these just behaviors, they just compound and you're in it and you don't know because these temper tantrums, of course, it's the terrible twos and tiresome threes or whatever they are, right? They just kind of keep compounding. And you're like, yeah, she's just struggling. She's just struggling. She's just struggling. And uh, then COVID and my husband uh, had to be the homeschooler for that and just couldn't get her to get her work done. And so there was a lot of stress about that. She just just couldn't do it. So we reached this point of like, I think we just need to let this go. Like, I understand as a teacher that she's she's right. She's going to recover. This isn't going to ruin her academically. Like, it's fine. Um, but for him, it was harder to let go. So when we returned to the United States, he said, I'm going back to work, which he was ready to do. He had taken some time off. He was ready to go back to work. You need to be available. I mean, we agreed. It's not that mm-hmm. I needed to be available, but that right. it's my turn. So I'm going to stay yeah. home. I'm going to be available to her. We're going to figure out this behavioral stuff. I've had so much experience. I have 20 years of experience <laughs> helping in the classroom, teaching kids <laughs> who have all sorts of behavior problems. Right. So clearly I can do this with right. my own daughter. And if right. you can't tell from the exaggeration, <laughs> it's not so easy. Right. It's totally child. different when it's your own. Uh, mm. It's not so easy. So, but for me, it was like, I need a shift. Uh, so that I can be here for her, whatever it is that she needs. If she can't get out, she physically can't get out the door in the morning, then I'm going to drive her to school and that's okay. And I don't have to race out for my job because I want to be late or whatever. And so it was sort of a shift of career to do what was best for my 
family. That's where it all mm-hmm. kind of came from. And it's been a huge risk. Like it's been a huge risk to just like mm-hmm. drop the security of mm-hmm. a public education position. But this is, this is what I needed to do yeah. for her. And yeah. so, and so, yeah, I, I am. And just I acknowledge and celebrate that. Uh, real quick, because I think that as parents, yes, we do have to make those decisions. We have to make the the tough calls, and we have to figure out what's the priority here. And I am I know there's parents yes. out there who are are juggling their own decisions around you know where what to do and what's best for the children. Really, you know, our children are only young once and this is their, you know, yes. the only time they'll be in elementary school or the only time they'll be a baby or the, the only time they'll be in high school, whatever the season there is. I think as I'm in this, this motherhood game longer, I just recognize how precious each season is and what critical developmental stages are going on in each of those phases and how we as their parents are sometimes the only ones who can really navigate them through that. So I just want to make sure to, to acknowledge and celebrate that, you know, with you, because it's not always easy because it, it does have an impact, you know, on our own you know, career path or our own interests and, and passions. But it, in the end, I'm a believer that it all works out the way it's supposed to. Yes. And I just think it was the a risk worth taking Absolutely. because I know, you know, and being a teacher and especially a teacher in the current climate, like there are positions available, there is work. So, you know, there, but for me, it was also like, if you just kind of do a little research. And so this, this is a tip maybe for anybody who's thinking about mm. what they need to do for yeah. their career is that just research. I was on Indeed all the time, all day, every day, just researching, researching. And then like this one little like three month side job came up that was like in my area of expertise. And I had, you know, special experience for this. And it's like, oh, so I picked that up for a short amount of time, got myself a little more financially stable. And then, you know, back to what, you know, I want to do in my career. And so there really is just a surprising amount of opportunities out there for work. And so I encourage people to, to look and think creatively if you need some side of kind of a shift. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great tip because especially in our online Zoom, you know, work from home or partial work from home, you know, environment, you're absolutely right. And that is important to highlight that there are really creative ways to connect and use skills and use talents and, and passions to, you know, mm-hmm. meet needs, to meet, you know, critical needs that are out there. And you are the only one, you know, who has that expertise and in and that right time in that right place, right? That can bring in exactly. And add to it. So I love, I love that you know you brought that up because it, it's so true that we can be creative and it doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? It doesn't have to look one yeah. way, and that's where I would get stuck, you know, is that it has to look a certain way when in fact it can actually be a combination that's even better than you ever imagined. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Be open to all things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good. So then, you know, I want something that I think is interesting to think about is, you know, the impact of all of this executive functioning in adults on children, right? And and so if the Mm. parent, right, has the executive functioning challenges and, you know, many, sometimes we we all have it, whether we're like technically diagnosed or not, you know, there's going to be times when there's just so many things coming at us that it can be hard to prioritize. It can be hard to organize all of those things. It can be hard to break a big task down into smaller pieces and, and get it done in a, you know, a reasonable amount of time. So then, you know, how does your work impact, you know, children, even as you're working now primarily with adults? You know, before we, you know, we can tell that mm. your special education, you know, background, right, um, was directly working and impacting children. So I'm kind of curious, you know, how, the executive functioning of the parent, right, is is impacting the child. Yes. Well, so as you kind of said in my intro, like I've been working on these strategies my whole life. I don't have any sort of official diagnosis of anything. But for me, figuring out how to organize myself and my time and my attention has just been something like since college and maybe even high school I've been working on sort of subconsciously 
but implementing them helps me. Uh, some of these strategies helped me as a mother. So I can talk about just being a mother who's as someone whose brain kind of bounces around all over the place is that I started, you know, what I really identified with you when I first met you and, and what you're doing was the one day at a time yeah. part of being a life-changing mother because I think so often just like one step at a time, one thing at a time, one day at a time. And whenever you need a reset, we've had, you just, you reset. And so oh there's God. that mindfulness, like everything is just kind of chaotic right now. My brain gets really busy and full. And that's when you have to, you have to have a reset. So that's a great time for a break and a break can be just so many things, whether it's just get up and get a refreshing glass of water, a self-care moment of like, oh, I haven't washed my face yet today. I'm going to do that or a walk outside or just to stand up and move to a different space. Just so many ways. So that's just kind of a reset as a parent. And here's another thing. Here's a little trick about like uh, people will make to-do lists. Mm-hmm. And my to-do list is like a full notebook of like <laughs> do. And it's for me, it's just like, I just get the things out of your head, but it's not a have-to list. It's yeah. these, these are the things that I have on my mind for today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chunk my time. Like what times do I have available during the day? Mm-hmm. So bigger blocks of time, one hour, an hour and a half, two hours. And so set aside those times, like look at the holes in your schedule and where can you fit in the tasks? So it might be the phone calls that need to be made, the emails that have to be taken care of, or the focused work that I need to do for an hour and a half or two hours. And so like bigger chunks of time, instead of those 30 minutes, calendars where you fill in every 30 minutes because once one of those 30 minutes you something has come up and then the whole schedule has blocked right so look at bigger nice so oh this one here's what i do i try to find times in my day where i'm not doing more than one thing at a time Mm -hmm. so it's really easy to walk the dog and try to make a phone call or wash the dishes and catch up on a podcast or, you know, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I really find or, or driving in your car and listening to a podcast. So I try to purposefully, like when I'm starting a task, I make a decision. So here's the executive functioning, the mindfulness yeah. part. I make a decision. Am I going to do more than one thing at this time? And so then you have the room to like decide. Yeah. I do actually want to listen to this podcast right now. So I am going to do more than one thing at a time or. I'm going to walk my dog and I try very hard to just appreciate being outside and the opportunity. Like I have to walk my dog, but how lucky am I that I'm now get this break to walk the dog and I'm not going to do something else at the same time. I'm just going to enjoy being outside. So really, I encourage people to reconsider the amount of multitasking that we have going on in our lives. And then with respect to helping other kids, So this is outside of my home, but how do I reach other kids? I'm more of a small things kind of person. I don't have the ability really to take on a big project and and see it all the way through to create life changing programs from that'll impact kids all over the world like that. I can't. I don't. Mm -hmm. My brain doesn't work that way. But there is like this one boy on the soccer team who is just like really wound up, really tight, and so when he's on the sideline. Or if it's practice and he's taking a little break, like I can, I can help him. I can give him some coaching. Like I see your body is just like wound up so tight. Let's just breathe together or, you know, something like that. So there's just so many, many moments that you can on a smaller level impact kids that I think doesn't get enough attention. For the people who are like, I only have this much time, so what can I do with it? Bring it down. Make it smaller. It's still impactful. Yeah. And that small thing is a huge thing for that kid who you've just given time, attention, focus, and and some practice with some skills for, right? So that really takes the one child at a time, you know, one day at a time to heart in that 
you know, what might seem like a very small, you know, moment or an insignificant, you know, kindness could mean the world could mean the difference between, you know, that child being able to get back into the game and enjoy the rest of the practice or the, the game, you know, play versus not being able to return or having to go home early. Right. Yes. So that's really, yes. that's really beautiful. Yeah. Great. Well, Thank you. I also, yeah. Yeah. I, so, yeah, I like to also talk about neurodiversity and in, in terms of kind of empathy and in this world that we live in, how we need so much empathy and everybody needs it for one you know reason or another. And yet it can be a struggle uh, to find it where bullying is on the rise and social media, you know, bashing and canceling. I mean, you you name it, it seems like it's happening and it's increasing and intensifying uh, for ourselves and our children. So, you know, how do you teach your own children or the people around you, you know, through your work, you know, to to work through, you know, empathy with regards to neurodiversity, race, you know, whatever that means yeah. to you. For my daughter who feels very like she doesn't want to talk about it because she feels like she stands out because sure. of this. Sure. So, um, but for her to teach empathy is that, you know, everybody's, everybody's working on something. Yeah. I'm working on this, the quote unquote bad kid that you're talking about in your class. They're working on something. You know, she's at the age where kids are trying now finding out that there are other kids who struggle to read. They're working on a thing. Everybody's working on a thing. And I think we just talk about it. It's just a dialogue. This is what's going on with me and my brain. Uh, She's learning how to talk about what's going on with her body and her brain. And we can identify it in other people. And then we talk about it with other kids Mm -hmm. and, and other adults just openly if we could all just talk like if if we let go of this is this old assumption that there's the people who have it all together and there's the right way to behave you know i think about the workplace right because that's where a lot of my clients are coming from there's this yeah. expectation that you're organized and you're on time and yeah. you know they got it all together and it all looks really pretty but when 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 we bring in people who have different challenges and have different workarounds, then you're adding creativity or you're adding yeah. a different way to look at things and how important that is that we just stop and acknowledge that and talk about that and dig into that person's point of view a little bit better. And just, I just feel like all of these things as far as empathy is like, let's just talk to each other and ask about your experience, share my experience, and then we can all get to know each other a little bit better. And that's lovely. It is. It is. I talk about it and frame it in much the same way in terms of, you know, we all have strengths. We all have things that are easy for us that come naturally to us. And we all have challenges, things that we have to work harder at, things that we have to work through. And as you're saying, things we have to, you know, work on and, and grow through. And so oftentimes mm. you're right, remembering that everybody has, you know, the ways that they shine and the ways that they contribute and then the ways that they're working to, to shine, right? And working to, to be able to, to navigate as far as, you know, the challenges go. So. That's really important yeah. um, framework to work within. And then to, you know, as far as the action piece, the talking, right? Let's have a conversation is huge, right? And introducing that or, you know, encouraging yes. that, you know, at, at the dinner table, we, you know, we, I often say that, you know, the family meal can be an incredible place to have those conversations. You know, how was the day? And then when the story comes up about the kid again, right? Right. Yeah. Gosh, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder what, what we, what, you know, what's going on for, you know, him or her. I wonder, you know, how hard that might be to go through. I wonder what we could do or what Mm. you could do, you know, or you could say to, you know, to help, you know, him or her and what that might look like. Yeah. How to connect with that person. And so I just think, I guess, yeah, that's it. We just need to talk. I mean, people are people, their experiences (laughs) shape them the whole ethnicity, religion, all of it. So let's just get to know the person and talk about what's happening, our experiences, you know, whatever. And then we see that there's just so much going on. 
that amazing it really is. It it's is. so much cooler than being perfect <laughs> <laughs> it really is it's, it's that beautiful rainbow right of of who we are what we bring the diversity and it's that thinking outside the box yeah how boring would it be if we were all exactly the same right but it's oftentimes the yes. the neuro you know, diversity that that brings up the out of the box thinking that comes up with, you know, the the latest tech idea or the engineering, you know, feat, right? Like it's mm. it's it often takes that person who's thinking in ways that nobody else is is thinking to solve some of the problems that we might think otherwise unsolvable. So I love that. Yeah. So and I well, I was just gonna say that's yeah. So in my coaching, that's kind of what I'm working with, like is just how can we have those more open conversations about how our brain works so that it just becomes more just the norm? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Great. Well, Jeannie, I see you as a mom changing the world using your voice, you know, as a former special education teacher and as an executive functioning coach for adults now. I'd love to hear maybe three takeaways or three tips that you could share with us as we're you know working with our our families and our children around this yeah one of those big things i wanted to talk about was like the ability to let go i i maybe have a tendency towards perfectionism i want mm-hmm. things to yes. be go really well and i yeah. call myself a recovering perfectionist yes <laughs> i get it yeah yeah. And I guess maybe now that I'm talking to you, I, maybe I've adopted this idea of just like, I see everything out loud now to whoever is around me. And so <laughs> one of those is I'm consciously letting go and, and verbally letting go of perfection. And so yeah. I recently had some friends coming into town to stay with us. And so, of course, there's the get the house ready mm-hmm. for the friends that were coming. And I reached this point of like, now I'm going to stop mm-hmm. and I'm just going to stop. Because of course, this can go on endlessly of me preparing my house to have guests. And when they came and I said to my girlfriend, I said to her, welcome to my imperfect life. And here, we, here you are. Here we are. And I, I'm letting you into this. Yes. And so a couple of days later, after they had been with us, she, we were hanging out and she said, I just really appreciate that you said that. Because <laughs> like her, she, you know, her mother was very much of a perfectionist and everything had to be perfect. So of course she was raised that way. And she's like, how refreshing to just let go and just be. And yeah, so I think another one of my tips, which kind of relates to this, is mm-hmm. after living in South America for five years, I came mm-hmm. home and was telling a, a very good girlfriend of mine about Sunday dinner. And uh, where we were in Chile and in Peru, things would stop on Sundays and you would get together with your family for hours and they would just spend Sundays together eating and just hanging out. And I was telling her about this and I said, it was just so lovely that everything just kind of slowed down. So we decided and adopting the sort of imperfection of life that just for a couple of hours on Sundays, we were going to have like an early Sunday and we were calling it Sunday supper, which is a very Midwestern old fashioned <laughs> word. We're both from the Midwest yeah, and just reminds me of my grandma. Yeah. And we just, we get together. So early because of school and, and the week ahead. Right. And we just kind of have whatever's available in the fridge. So in the middle of the day on Sunday or Sunday morning, I'll say, well, here, this is what I have in my fridge. And she said, this is what I have in my fridge. And we kind of piece together a supper and the house doesn't have to be spotless. And we just mm. enjoy each other's company oh. for just a couple of hours once That's a week. Because otherwise, maybe it would be months before we would see them because life just yeah. takes over, you know? Yeah. So I I love that. And the third thing I wanted to mention was about finding a way to just like reset when everything feels out of control. Mm-hmm. You know, I recently, my daughter had a bad week. There were temper tantrums and, and I lost it. You know, things are just falling apart, which will happen. Yeah. And then you have to find a way to to reset because she's the most amazing thing. And I have to be here for her. I have to be strong. I have to rein myself in so that she can rein herself in. And I'm not, we're going to reset. Not all hope is not lost. Yeah. We're going to start again. Yeah. And so that can be 
with your children. And that can be when things, life just feels out of control because you've taken too much on as we Mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. So just like sort of that mindful moment of like, okay, things have gotten out of control. We're going to start again. And, And don't beat yourself up about that. Let go and restart. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That reset button, that reboot button, man, Mm. it can mean all the difference first for ourselves, right? And then for our children or our family. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities to, you know, hey, to say, hey, um, I didn't do that right the first time, or I I didn't do that my best the first time. Can we have a redo, (laughs) right? Let's reset and redo because that, is what we yes. all we all need a, another chance, you know, at some time or at some point or at some things, and so that's that's so mm-hmm. great. That is really great, and I like you know the being yeah. intentional about doing one thing at a time as well. That's so so important because we our brain tries to help us out, right, and it tries to go in autopilot and just do uh, for us yes. where we tend to then take on more than we really, you know, really optimally should, right? So I think being intentional, yeah, yeah, about it, that giving ourselves permission in many ways to stop and and decide is I'm going to just do the one thing and that's okay, right? That's more than okay because then you can really pull all your senses into that experience um, in a way that you can't if you decide you know, to multitask. And sometimes, you you know, that that happens, right? Sometimes we will find that we might want to, like you said, or need to, but we, yes. we, we do have choice a lot of the time, more than we think we do have a choice in it. Yeah. And I find that as soon as I've done that, where I just am sort of like letting go of the distraction and just yeah. enjoying what's happening. Wow. Creative ideas come flooding into my brain. Yes. As soon as you take all the buzzing that is to-do list and the dinging and the, pod- <laughs> and the sounds of the sizzling on the yeah. stoves. As soon as you can let go of a lot of those beautiful creative ideas come to me. And I think, I think we've, we're losing how to just be a little bit more still and let the thoughts flow. And it's yeah. refreshing. It's really refreshing. It really is. And yes, giving us permission to let go. Let go of the perfection, mm. let go of, you know, having it tapped it to go a certain way, right? Or exactly this way can really take a lot of the pressure off and it can really lighten the load if we just give ourselves, you know, permission to stop, let go and just enjoy, you know, what's there. How cool too that you guys yeah. have adopted that, you know, Sunday supper idea. And, you know, I have to give credit to my, you know, my husband has really gotten that as part of our weekly routine. And, you know, he'll often, you know, cook a, you know, a protein and we'll put some sides together and everybody will, you know, we'll set the formal table, you know, because we like to, you know, use our dining room once in a while, right? You know, just to make it special. Yes. But it is such a beautiful art that many of us have lost, you know, in that idea of like a Sunday Sabbath. Right. Or a Sunday, you know, pause um, that makes that day special, resetting, um, letting go of everything else for a couple of hours. And Mm. you're you're bringing in a friend, right. Or a neighbor or, you know, some community aspect, you know, to it as well, which is awesome. Yeah. It's like more love because we don't have (laughs) a lot of family near where we are. So yeah, yeah, we bring, bring in family. That's great. That's great. And so then um, that kind of leads naturally into, you know, how you create balance and, and joy and self-care in the midst of everything that you do. Yeah, I think for me to find balance and joy and what really helps me the most is the really just being more conscious about the tasks I'm doing, doing them one at a time, because I have found and especially as I've growing this business, I mean, there's constant messages coming at you through email, through text. I'm talking to people on WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, Slack. They're all just kind of dinging at you. And so for me, is, and that for me is really overwhelming. It just, and maybe for most people, I think it's the yeah. only in your mind, just like, and you can just go from this message to this message to this message yeah. to this message, and your whole day can just have gone. And none of it was really purposeful or really getting you where you want to go, meaningful mm-hmm. to you. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I take those chunks of time. I think about what I'm going to do with those chunks of time. And then I meaningfully do them and consciously do them. And that kind of brings me sort of peace and yeah. makes me feel like I am doing meaningful work that's getting me somewhere as a mother, yeah. as a professional. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, the, it reminds me of a simple organization strategy that, you know, one of my coaches um, recommended. And I think it comes from this uh, Stephen Covey, you know, kind of organization, you know, calendars and planners, but it's ABC, one, two, three, right? It's kind of a similar idea, right? ABC, A is that number one priority, like those top priorities, what needs to happen today, right? And then B are the things that, okay, they, they need to happen within the next, you know, few days, right? And C might be the things that, can maybe wait for the week or, you know, more long distance. Um, but then once you've figured out like what's the A priority, B priority, and C priority, then you can t- break each of those down into A123, B123, yeah. C123. So that you have, uh, like you said, chunks of things that have a, a priority or an order, right? That kind of gives you the, the way to track and get through it. And you can cluster those things in a way that makes sense for you to be able to to tackle them one at a time. Yeah, exactly. And there's just the things that you're like, okay, I'm going to get to those. And they, you might just be carrying those over, yeah. you know, for a little bit longer than yeah. you thought, but eventually you're going to get tired of seeing that <laughs> I, I, for example, need to call the mortgage or right, the, right. the homeowner's insurance company. So <laughs> let's pop that up to A. <laughs> yeah, because I'm tired of looking at that. On my TV list. And so, yeah, so you you will, you will, yeah. it will get done. It will, it get, will done. get done. Yeah, yes. And it, it will get done when it needs to get done. So that's, yes. yeah, exactly. that's great. Good, good. So why don't we end with a, a few rapid fire questions and see, um, okay. you know, what, yeah, what, uh, what you want to um, add to uh, number one, you know, best advice to a mom who is struggling right now. Um. Do some, yeah, everybody says take time for yourself. But again, I think smaller. Maybe you don't have time for a yoga class. Maybe you don't have the money for a massage or a facial. I just, you know, for me, I bought some good, you know, I researched some good products for my for my face yeah. that uh, are good for the environment. They have EWG certifications. So they're good for the environment. They're good for yeah. me. And they're not, not expensive. So yeah. I, I buy those products. And yeah. when I wash my face, that's for me. That's my moment for me. And, you know, or for example, again, I have to say, I'm going to take the doctor walk after we are done recording <laughs> this. That's for her, but I turn it into, but this is for me. So I won't take my phone and just make myself go outside. So just the tiniest thing, but make sure that you know that that's for you yeah. and really enjoy that. That's great. What would you say to yourself as a younger mom? I was maybe a little too worried about her when if I when she was a baby. And so just let go, let her be her, let her join your life. Don't worry so much. She's going to be okay, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. what I would say. The kids are going to be okay. <laughs> She's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. And what have you learned about yourself as a mom? Man, I've learned a lot about my <laughs> my emotions. <laughs> yes. Because, yeah. you know, I took a mindfulness course to be to teach it to children and and that was not really about her. That was about I was interested in it, wanted to introduce it to my students, but man, has that really saved me. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's great. Good. And then finally, you know, the word for our year is abundance. Um, an overflow. And so I'm asking all my guests, you know, what that word means for you at, you know, at this point in the year. Yeah. There's um, a story that pops up every once in a while on whatever social media. It's Kurt Vonnegut is talking to another author. They're at the home uh, of a billionaire for some event. And uh, Kurt Vonnegut says to this other author, he says, what does it feel like that this man is making more in one day than you will make in your lifetime. Mm. And the other author, it's the author of Catch-22. He says, I've got something that he doesn't have. I have enough. 
Mm. And so I find that incredibly <laughs> profound. Yeah. And for yeah. me, that's abundant. Like yeah. I, when I'm reminded of that, I think about it often. It keeps sort of popping up. I think in these financial times, maybe it's yeah. sort of popping up more often in my social media feeds. I just look around me and I go, this is enough. Yeah. And I love it. I'm yeah. so lucky to have it. Yeah. And that's where I find my abundance. Yeah. That's a beautiful story. Because the interesting thing about when we recognize that we have enough, we end up seeing that we actually have more than enough, <laughs> so especially in so our much culture more. of yeah, you know, consumerism and all of those things. And yet, right, it's about that next shiny thing when really, like you said, when we recognize that we, we have enough, we end up realizing we have more than enough. So that's Yeah, and for awesome. me, it just, it becomes about love and relationships and yeah, just, again, I'm incredibly lucky to have. Yeah, that's awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for all of these great insights. And I'm sure that my listeners will want to reach out and connect to you. What's the best way to get a hold of you? You can reach out to me on my website, genielove.coach. And it's spelled G-E-N-I-E, love, L-O-V-E, dot coach. And you can reach me there. And, you know, I have, you know, an appointment calendar on there. And I just love to talk to anyone about your own um, executive functioning needs, challenges of parenting and a child with ADHD, whatever. Just reach out to me. I'd love to, I'd love to talk. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's nice to talk to you. For listening to Moms Changing the World with host Akua Walker. The information shared on this show is meant for educational purposes only and not intended as a substitute for medical intervention or professional therapy. All views shared on the show are that of the speakers only and do not represent any institution. To be a part of the community, visit www.momschangingtheworld.org. There you'll find ways to connect with and support the moms we interview and find out how to work with Akua as a parenting coach. Join us next time for more encouragement and support to be a mom changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening.